murder, divorce, drugs. Our courts are full of stories, scary, sad, and hilarious. Most are tales stranger than fiction. These are true law stories. Brought to you by VideoCaseStory.com, the ultimate resource for customer and client video stories. All right, on this True Law Stories, we're going to talk about corporate greed. We're going to talk about how the jury system is under attack. I've got Jed Kurzban from Amazing Personal Injury Attorney. Jed, say hi. Hello, how are you? Thank you, Ian, for having me. And we're going to talk about exploding cars, how companies are hurting people, the only people policing these companies, and it's not the government. We're going to talk about suing the first unibody car manufacturers, how one dancer lost her leg in a car accident, and the car they had to sue that manufacturer, the myth of the government protecting you, uh, how one groover had glue actually eat through his hands. The most recent discussing law in Florida, I mean, we got a lot on this. And the real problems about doctors hurting people and how Judd isn't really suing pediatricians and who he is suing. And all that and tort reform on this True Law Stories. But don't forget this is brought to you by VideoCaseStory.com. One of the most important things for your business are your stories. Go to VideoCaseStory.com where we can help you collect, craft, and deliver the stories of your business. All right, let's get started. It's so interesting because I talk to this all, all often about with attorneys, and I think especially uh, plaintiff's personal injury attorneys, there have been such a wave of, of these companies trying to badmouth them when in fact it's the companies that are trying to get the upper hand and the insurance companies, et cetera. So I think it's important for people to know about these things because also so many people are like, I'm not the type of person to sue. And I'm like, well, it's just getting your rights, your insurance. And so Jed, you know, we're going to, we're going to talk about kids today. We're talking about a lot of stuff, but tell us a little bit about your law firm before we get started. Sure. So I've been an attorney 27 years. Um, I graduated law school in December of 1995. I took the bar February of 1996. I was admitted to practice May of 1996. My first jury trial was June of 1996. So I've been trying cases literally since one month out the door. And I believe very much in people's rights to the jury. I believe the jury system. It's truly the greatest system in the world. And it is under constant attack um, from companies and their lobbyists who essentially pay legislators and governors to get rid of this access. Uh, so essentially I've been fighting both for my clients with a jury against insurance companies that have unlimited budgets, literally tens of millions of dollars to fight some poor guy. And then if they lose, they put money towards lobbying efforts because what individual can fight an insurance company, whether it's health insurance, car insurance, home insurance. And so the legislatures tend to have the money help lobby them to change the law and take these rights away. And so it's really, it's a two-pronged battle since day one. And, you know, I want to get into the stories, but I think this is an important thing for everyone to know about because I know so many people that have been injured that no fault of their own. And they say, I'm not the type of person that sues, or I don't want to go through that. I mean, massive injuries, right? That insurance should cover. How is that ingrained into people? that how do you feel it's ingrained to people that they don't realize that this is their right to this? Whether it's property damage or personal injury, right? So property or personal injury, both of them require access to the courts 
to be compensated for an injury that is no fault of your own. What does that really mean in the terms of the world we live in? Someone rear-ends you, right? You get hurt. What did you do wrong? You were in line, you were in traffic, it was a red light, not your fault. Medical malpractice, a big area of mine. When a doctor or a nurse practitioner or a physician assistant makes a mistake and hurts you, they never do it on purpose. Just like no one rear-ends you on purpose. It is an accident. However, you should compensate the person for what damages and injury you've caused. And that's really where insurance companies spend tens of millions of dollars, commercials, lobbyists, efforts. So people have this stigma that lawsuits are bad. Lawsuits are not bad. I lecture all over the country. Lawsuits are great. It's because of lawsuits, cars don't explode when you hit them anymore. It's because of lawsuits, they don't put glass in children's toys because it's a cheaper filler. Lawsuits stop these things. Lawsuits say you can't serve poison water to the public. You have to clean the water source up. The government doesn't police these companies. Companies don't police companies. It's not that companies are inherently bad, but they inherently want profits. That's what a company is built for. How do I maximize profits? I will cut corners, and if people get hurt, I don't care because I've maximized profits, and no one polices them except trial lawyers. So trial lawyers, really, we are the front line of people's health and well-being, and it's us that make these differences in policy. Taking away the right to court takes away this protection of people. So people have a stigma like, oh, trial lawyers or lawsuits are not good. They're the best thing for society. They are what's needed. It's a great point. And I think a lot of people would say, well, the government protects me. I sued a car manufacturer that was one of the first to create what's called a unibody car. So when you were a young kid and I was a young kid, cars were these big giant metal things with big metal frames and a lot of steel. So it made Detroit great, right? And these cars were really safe. On the back end, they were very heavy and they used a lot of gas. So you can make a lighter car by getting rid of the frame. And they call it unibody construction. The idea is you take all these like steel parts, no frame, and if they get into a car accident, they collapse like an accordion and then bounce back. And it protects you. And it's true, it actually does work. Most cars are unibody. Today there's very little framework. That being said, you're required to use high strength steel in these sort of compression parts like an accordion, right? So these rocker so panels or whatever, they require high strength steel. This car manufacturing used cheap steel to build their car to save money and cut costs. As a result, my high school student who was in a dance school and was going on to perform in Broadway as a dancer lost her leg in a car accident because the car literally just opened like butter and ripped her leg off of her. It was horrific. We sued the car manufacturer. The government, you say, should protect people. The government has a policy that you must pass certain crash-worthy tests to be allowed to put a car on the road. Here's the thing people don't know. The government doesn't test these cars. The car companies have to self-certify that if the car was crashed, it would be okay. They don't crash the car. They don't have to crash the car. The government doesn't crash the car. The government doesn't look at the plans. The government just says, send us an affidavit from your engineer that if it got in a crash, it'd be safe. That's it, that's the entire requirement of the government. So, of course, they certified the car would be safe. We went after the government agencies as well who said, they lied to us. What do you want us to do? Well, you do your job. Protect people. That's not our job. We're the government. That's your job, the trial lawyer. And why are you getting rid of trial lawyers? 
So we went after the car manufacturer. We were able to recover a large sum of money for this young lady who then went on to become a little bit famous and went to dance on shows where she danced half the show with a prosthetic leg and then took her leg off at midpoint and danced the second half of the show, the same dance, on one leg. What a brave and amazing woman she is. In that case, right, and you battle the government and you're battling all these aspects of it, where, you know, where do you even get started in something like that? So the first thing you do is I meet with my clients, right? I'm not an enormous law firm. I don't advertise. I don't have a staff of 70 people taking phone calls. You call my office, you speak to me, Jack Kurzban. If I'm not available, you'll speak to my assistant, but mostly you speak to me. I determine if I think you have a good case. I determine if I think you are worthy of help. I determine whether or not I think you really can make a difference in the policy of the world. It's a big difference between the way I practice, which is individual contact with clients, and sort of large law firms that have intake departments and assistants that make every call and all these decisions. If I think you're really worthy, you have a big injury and a case that's worthy of being brought forward, then I do the research. In that case, I do the research. Hey, how could a car collapse and fall apart like this? What government regulations exist? And then I found out there were none. None. And there's organizations that have this information. Most of you have to join these organizations to get their information and they help you. But, you know, I mean, today's world, we hear a lot about, you know, tobacco litigation where they lied about, they purposely went to try to get children addicted to tobacco and had all kinds of memos saying, our advertising's working, we're really getting kids addicted. But they lied about it and they hid it. And the government, of course, doesn't do anything about it. Trial lawyers uncovered the memos. Trial lawyers held them accountable. Trial lawyers made a difference in the world of tobacco, for instance, in my case, in this car with this car manufacturer, who hopefully learned his lesson and now uses better strength steel in their car. And when you start to investigate that, how much did, uh, how often do the companies, like you were saying, like the cigarette companies getting kids addicted, how often do you find the story of the company that really knows what they're doing and they just put it out there because it's just, it, they're gambling? Again, companies are not inherently bad, but companies' job is not to safeguard people. Their job is profits. They have investors and boards and their entire motive is how do we increase profits? Why does Apple move its products that they're creating in California over into Indonesia and China to make a cheaper phone? Is it better for the world to do that? Is it better to pay someone two cents a day? Of course, it's not better for the world. It's not better for anybody. It's cheaper. They make more money. Profits what matter to them. So it's not they're inherently bad, but you have to understand corporations and companies prioritize profits above all else. And in my world, I say this all the time to juries. I prioritize people over profits. People should come first, not profits. There's enough profits. Super, super rich companies make enough money. If Apple never made another penny, they'd make enough money for the rest of everyone's life at Apple. But that's not how they're organized or built, right? It should be people first, but corporations are profits first. The government protects corporations and insurance companies, which puts profits that deny cancer treatments deny life-saving treatments because they're expensive because it eats into their profits. Not because of people, because of profits. My job is to uncover 
where they've hurt people for profits and then hold them accountable. But I can only do that if I get a jury. And I can only get a jury if I have access to the courts. And right now, that's really what's under attack in America, access to courts and juries. Yeah, it, it, it is. And there's so much going on. And everyone's worried about their rights. And this is a way that rights are being eroded. And, uh, and people don't realize it. And, yeah, it's, it's, it's terrible. And the problem is our legislatures, our governors, our government right now is on this side of the pendulum, which swings, and, and they are, you know, corporate first people. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it comes back to hurt people. And, and a lot of these, that's why I love having these cases on and these stories, because a lot of these stories, other attorneys learn about them, but they don't often make the news. They don't often, we're not broadcasting them, and they're so important. And I want to talk, so there's yet another product case about an epoxy system that sure. hurt a that roofer. Case, you know, it was an immigrant roofer. So a little bit about my firm. We started with my firm and my firm does a lot of immigration work. I come from a family of immigrants. My family came from Romania, my grandfather. Um, you know, he came out of Europe, out of Romania to America and America didn't want him, right? America used to want immigrants to help. And now, again, this new storyline of immigrants being bad is really quite shocking to me since, I mean, everyone's an, in, an immigrant unless you're Native American. But more importantly, immigrants really help make the country. Yes, there needs to be a system in place that you can regulate and monitor immigration, but you want immigrants. Immigrants do work. This was an immigrant who was given a new epoxy system to put roofs, roof tiles on roofs, because usually the old system was a nail. Like any nail, it makes a little hole. Over time, the hole gets a little bigger. These holes allow moisture to come in. Moisture then affects the roof. And in Miami, we have hurricanes. Wet roofs are bad roofs. So they developed an epoxy system that would help glue these tiles to the roof without making a hole. Sounds great. The problem is they didn't warn anyone how bad this epoxy was to the skin. You know, it said caution, keep it out of your eyes. But what it didn't say was if it gets on your skin, you need another acetate removal, like paint thinner, to take it off, or it literally eats your skin down to the bone. And this immigrant roofer didn't understand because no one trained them. There's no training. There's no warnings. And he literally lost the skin in his hands. And it, he looked, I mean, it was it was grotesque. It looked like a skeleton hand. And so we sued the epoxy company and we were able to get him, you know, money to help sort of regraft skin onto his hand from his back. Um, and his butt, which is a, another painful procedure. And who should pay for all these medical procedures? The company that misled him and didn't let him know how dangerous it was? Or should he just suffer for the rest of his life? And that is part of the issue we talk about, where these, these companies prioritize profit by not warning people how dangerous it was. Now, you have the correct precautions. You put a good warning label. You make people have training. You invest in training people to say, here's the correct gloves you need because a simple little cloth glove won't work. You need X type of materials to protect you. Now you want to sell those materials and profit, fine, sell the materials, but you need to warn people and let them know so they don't fall into this harm way that they fall into. Oh my God, that's horrible. That is horrible. horrible. I mean, what went through your mind when you first saw this case? This man should not live like this. It's... It's outrageous this would happen to a human being in today's world where precautions exist, where we have the ability to protect people. And did this case go to trial or did it settle? 
this case settled right before trial, but it took two years of litigation, a ton of money. These cases take a hundred to two hundred thousand dollars to bring. It takes two to three years of time. And they're a big undertaking, and so that case happened to settle right before trial. And what I mean, what was the the company's defense? I don't want to insult the company too badly, but their initial defense was, if he doesn't speak English, it's his own fault. How that relayed when there was no actual warning on the label, I don't know, but that was their initial defense. He's an immigrant, but doesn't speak English. So what? Oh my God. And obviously that went away. And what was the breaking point that set, made them settle? They're like, okay, we, we can't go to trial with this. I think the breaking point was when we went to the mediation, I actually had, because they wouldn't give me a tube of the epoxy, I actually had a hire a roofing company to get the epoxy that I then paid under the table for to get the epoxy to mediation as an exhibit. And at the table, when I explained what happened and the company was denying it, I opened the epoxy and went to squeeze it when everyone freaked out and screamed at me not to squeeze it all over the table because it could hurt people. And the judge went bonkers on me for trying to squeeze it out. And I said, judge, they're telling you it's not that dangerous. What is the problem? <laughs> oh, my God. What was, I mean, that's an amazing moment. That is an amazing moment. Oh, I, I mean, I don't, you know, it's obviously it was my a second favorite mediation. It wasn't even my best. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to get to your best if you can, if you can tell me about it. I mean, <laughs> I'm just imagining you getting up and like showing it. And everyone's like, no. <laughs> yeah. Did you actually squeeze it out? I, no, I was very dramatic. I had the big tube like this. And I was like, all right, let's see how bad it is. Like, eh, they're like, whoa, stop, stop. Like, don't worry, it's not dangerous. They just told you, judge, it's not that dangerous. Don't worry. Eh, stop, stop. And they were like, let's break up and let's talk about this. And then we broke up and talked about it. And it's amazing to me that they were hiding it from you, that you had to go, like, you couldn't get the thing in question. No. They said they had none. They wouldn't give it to me. They actually hired a, a company, a, a roofing company, told them the product I wanted them to use. They got the product, and I paid them money to get the product from them. I mean, everything here sounds like these companies were not good companies. And you would think the government would regulate, but they don't. You think they'd punish these companies? They don't. I mean, like, who's been punished for Flynn's water system so far? They literally poisoned the water. Poisoned the water. It's undrinkable. Who's been held accountable so far? I mean, that's the problem. The government doesn't hold these things, these people and companies accountable. Only trial lawyers do by taking away profits when we sue them. So what have they done? They've hired lobbyists to lobby legislatures and governors like our terrible governor in Florida to say, hey, let's take away the trial lawyer's ability to do anything. The, I don't know if you've heard in Florida, we have hurricanes. They hurt properties. They lobbied the governor to sign a new law if you sue an insurance company for not paying the claim. The claim that your house was injured and they lose and it's their fault and they should have paid. You still have to pay their attorney fees, which takes money away that you would have won. I did not know that. I'm in here in Florida. There you go. Look it up. It's the new law that DeSantis just signed for property insurance. How disgusting is that? Now look it up, see if it's true. And if it is true, would that shock you? Would that be unbelievably historically disgusting and terrible? 
it, it, it's crazy. It, it, you know, and obviously there's good companies out there that do the right thing. And, you know, but you hear these stories all the time about these bad companies. But explain to me, because if I were to take the epoxy and put it on someone's hands, I'd probably go to jail, right? Right. Why does no one go to jail in these types of cases? God, it's a great question. I wish I knew. It's a great question. The truth is, because roofing companies have lobbyists, and the lobbyists work with the insurance property companies, and insurance property insurance companies in Florida make you know billions in profits, and they can afford to hire the lobbyists who pay for a re-election of legislatures and governors, and so they get away with these things. They're not held accountable, which is why the only people in the entire country that can hold them accountable are juries, your neighbors, not your friends, not your relatives, because they all get taken off a jury, just neighbors. And your neighbors will say, we don't like this. This is not good. We don't want this in our community. That's what a jury does. Now, sometimes a jury says, you know what? This isn't so bad. This is the cost of living in life. And you don't win every case. No trial lawyer has won every case he's ever tried, or they haven't tried cases. But sometimes you don't win. But for the most part, I tell people all the time when I talk about this, juries do the right thing eight out of 10 times. They really do. One out of 10, they're too high. One out of 10, they're too low. But eight out of 10, they're on the money. So I want to switch because I do want, I, I probably have to come bring you back to talk more about this stuff because it's, I, I think this stuff's fascinating, you know, working with personal injury attorneys for years. And I, I talked to so many people and it just like, they don't realize that this stuff's going on. And even when they're in their own accidents, when they're, you know, met in victims of medical malpractice, they don't want to sue. So I, I do want to bring you around to, because you, you've helped some kids that have had kidney problems. So tell me about these cases. How, you know, tell me about these types of cases and how they come to you. So years and years ago, I had a case involving a, an, an immigrant long distance truck driver who was in kidney failure and he had all these tests from the doctors are supposed to give physicals and they saw his kidneys failing, but never told him, never did anything about it. And he ended up losing his kidneys and was basically on death's door waiting for a kidney transplant. Um, we got him a very large verdict and he wanted to open up a really great Mexican restaurant in Homestead, south of Miami. Um, but it was a big case and it led to some other cases. And over my career now, I've handled dozens of kidney cases all over the country. And I have a specialty in failing to diagnose disease that has taken me all across the country, which I love. I get to see juries from I've been in eight states so far trying cases. Um, but I also had children with kidney disease where the doctors see that the labs and kidney disease is somewhat like cancer in that you don't feel sick necessarily. Like you don't know you're in kidney disease. You, you feel okay. Sometimes you may notice like your urine's a little smelly or foamy, but for the most part that's sort of towards the end. It's, you feel all right, it's known as a silent killer. But your labs tell you your kidneys are failing. There's labs in your urine, urinalysis, there's labs in your blood, blood tests that clearly show kidney disease. But let's be honest, a doctor can't see 50 people a day and catch rare diseases, just they can't. So the insurance companies make doctors see 50 people a day. Doctors see too many people and can't give good quality care. And every time I sue, I talk to these doctors before and say, I don't, I don't wanna sue you. I know Blue Cross made you see too many people. They cut your fees. They denied the access you wanted. Or 
not just Blue Cross, any of these medical insurance, United or Anthem. And the doctors say, nope, you're the bad guy. I'm not talking to you. So I end up suing doctors because, again, these large insurance companies have paid for a lot of protection and you can't sue them like you used to. So I sue the doctors for failing to diagnose clear kidney disease. They always come up with some baloney defense and we get in front of the jury. And this was one with a little kid, one of them, where he also was short. He had a growth hormone deficiency. And so he went to an endocrinologist as well as his pediatrician to help give him growth hormones to help him grow. And when you're young, you have growth plates. And if you give certain drugs, you can help those growth plates expand, help bring the height up a little bit. But he also had kidney disease they just were absolutely ignoring until his kidneys failed. And in high school, he needed a kidney transplant. And we sued the pediatrician and the endocrinologist because how could you ignore obvious and clear kidney disease? And their answer was, well, we were working on something else. That's outrageous. How do you work on something else? Your job as a doctor, you got to look at all of these conditions and treat the whole person. You, you don't get to treat one part of a person's disease. So we ended up suing and, and you know, it was, a, it was a pretty large case. And it's not even my worst case. My worst case was a young girl that lost her kidneys at the age of six years old. And to tell you how bad that is, let me explain to you. If you get a new kidney on a transplant, which has a waiting list, they only last 10 to 15 years, which means she's gonna need a new transplant when she's 20. And then she'll need another transplant in her mid thirties. And who gets a fourth kidney? So she's gonna die when she's 45. If she's lucky enough to get a fourth kidney, which is unheard of, she'll maybe make it to 55, 60, and then no one gets a fifth. And that's what you've done to this little girl because you failed to see what was obvious in the labs, not on purpose, by accident, because you see too many people. And you see too many people because these insurance companies are all powerful and force these doctors to see 50 people a day, which you can't do. I mean, obviously you've got to, and tell me about that. So what happened in that case, you know, specifically with that girl, because that's an emotional case. That's a tough one. It was I mean, really not that they're all tough, but I mean, I have a nine-year-old. I can't imagine dealing with that. I would just be so angry. Yeah, the mom and dad ended up getting divorced because the stress was so high and they had one healthy son who was younger. And, you know, how do you deal with taking one daughter to the hospital literally daily and keep your business going and raise your son and have the family? It's literally, it's too much for people to bear, truly. No one could do it. And this family obviously fractured and couldn't do it. And the insurance company, which... Look, these doctors don't defend these cases as insurance companies. They defend these cases. Am I allowed to say that to the jury? No, it's not fair to insurance companies. Am I allowed to say insurance company, you have a $250,000 policy and you've spent a million dollars fighting me? No, I'm not allowed to say that either because that's just mean to insurance companies. Am I allowed to say the, to the jury, if this was your daughter, what would you want? I can't say that either. You know why? It's mean to insurance companies. So I got to pretend I'm suing this nice pediatrician when in reality I'm suing an insurance company because I don't want to be mean to insurance companies. These are the rules they've had passed. So I pretend I'm suing this nice doctor when I'm not. And the insurance company funds this huge defense. And in that case, they faked a test to pretend she was healthy. And we proved it was a fake test to the jury because it was a fake test. They created an entire fake defense. So we showed how the fake test was a fake test. The jury didn't believe the fake test, thank God. 
and we were able to recover lots of money. And so then what did the insurance company do? They lobbied and took us to an appeal and they lobbied the appellate court, which overturned our case because they said the treating doctor acted like an expert because he agreed with our expert. How does that make him an expert? Just because he agreed with us. Well, I said, oh, you have too many experts. Not experts, a treating doctor. So he took away the case and the verdict. So then we had to go to the Supreme Court of Florida, which before Governor DeSantis was a legitimate Supreme Court with these really good opinions and good justices. And they said, no, that's ridiculous. Just because he agreed with you doesn't make him your expert. And so they reinstated our verdict. And so our verdict stood. And we were able to recover money for the family and help the girl get her transplants and help her get the medicine she need. Just think about this, this little girl, to keep her kidneys alive at the age of eight, had to drink 10 bottles of water a day. You have a nine-year-old. Try to get your nine-year-old to drink 10 bottles of water a day. Try. It's almost impossible. And that's what this family's having to do. So now you're literally in a war with your own children daily to keep them alive. That's what they did. And they didn't want to pay. And they didn't want to uphold their honor. And they didn't want to say, I'm sorry, we made a mistake. And I feel terrible. How can we help you recover from this? What can we do to ease your burden and suffering? Instead, they spent 10 years fighting us. And so, are there any good insurance companies? <laughs> Again, companies are not inherently bad. You just have to understand they're made to profit. So all they care about is profit. They don't care about people. They don't care about what's right. They only care about profit. Now, you could say, well, that's terrible. They should. That's another argument for another day. Great, I'm all for it. But they don't. They care about profits. It's why Apple builds phones in China. You know, it's why we outsource so many things out of America because we don't want to pay wages that are reasonable because it cuts into profit. It, the whole system is this problem. And the problem really comes that our legislature allows it to happen because they need money to become reelected. And their money doesn't come from a sick eight-year-old girl. Their money comes from the insurance companies. That's who pays them to help them get reelected. And so... You know, you want to ask my opinion. My opinion is you take money out of politics and you could maybe fix the system. But until you take all money out of politics, the oldest rule in the world is whoever has the gold makes the rules, right? The oldest rule in the world. And that rule absolutely applies. I guess until that happens, you keep fighting, you keep working. It's really an uphill battle, but it's worth taking. I believe in it deep down to my core. It's amazing. It, it's, I mean, and I, th I, hopefully people watch us and realize the reality uh, of it. And it's, it's not, it, it's not sleazy lawyers going after nice mm -hmm. little pediatricians. It's, yeah. it's insurance companies that will not hold, I mean, do their job. Right. <laughs> I they talk not pay the claim that they should pay to make up for the mistake they made. And that's really all it is. Cause no, no good trial lawyer will say it's done on purpose, right? The doctors don't miss things on purpose. You don't rear-end a car on purpose. You don't forget to put a safety guard on a blade on purpose. They're accidents, but accidents have consequences. And that's why there's insurance, to pay those consequences. But they don't profit doing that. They profit taking premiums and not paying. And people are like, well, insurance, I always hear this, well, you know, my insurance agent's my friend. I'm like, I'll be your friend if you send me $2,000 a month. <laughs> right. 
Right, because again, it's not inherently, it's not an evil system. It's understanding the system we have and the best way to safeguard it is to protect access to courts and juries, the thing that is most under attack right now. Well, and you're doing it. And what, you know, what type of work are you doing with, you talked about going after legislation. Tell me about the things that you do. You know, I've gone to Tallahassee because I'm a Florida attorney and I've got a Tallahassee to lobby efforts to try to get, you know, law, bad laws taken off the books and good laws passed. And I mean, it's, it's nearly impossible because if I took every client I ever had and took every dollar I ever won, it's one one hundred thousandth of the dollars an insurance company has. I mean, it's just not even the same ballpark. And so it's very hard to do that. And then I see a lot of young trial attorneys are not really taught how to be trial lawyers very well, which is why when COVID shut all the courts down, um, I wrote a book on how to be a, a good trial lawyer and, and what techniques to use to really get the jury to understand the uphill battles we face. And so I, I wrote a book during COVID to help because I thought not only do I do my job and fight, but the next generation behind me, these young lawyers, they need help to understand the battle because they've grown up in a world where companies really control the world, right? When I was a kid, there was this American dream. If you worked hard and, and really tried hard, you, you could succeed. But, you know, talk to young people today. They don't have that dream. They don't believe that exists any longer because of what corporate greed has done. And so I'm trying to help them by writing a book on how you can overcome these things. And so my book is called How Justice is Served. And, and you know, it's not a plug for my book, but it's part of my uh, let's plug your book. There's other attorneys listening to this. It's How Justice is Served. It's available on Amazon, I'm assuming? It is. Nice. So we'll put a link to that in the show notes. I 100% want to plug your book. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, obviously you care. You, you wrote it to help other people. I'm sure it's fantastic. I'm sorry I have not read it, but I will read it. Is there an audiobook? I'm an audiobook guy. Uh, there's no audiobook. There's a podcast where I kind of break it down a bit. But you know, there's no audio book per se. It, it's it's not a very thick book. I brought a copy in case I'm prepared. So it's not a very big book, but it really gives you an idea of what what to do to help get a jury to understand the battle we're in. We're not just chasing down some doctor to get a couple of bucks. It's because of trial lawyers that you know hospitals are more sanitized than they used to be. Um, it's because of us that we don't have these. You know, cars that just fall apart anymore explode when you hit the rear end. One of my big cases is a, a crane was doing road work on a highway and they did work on one side of the highway and they had to move these big cranes to the other side of the highway. Well, how do you do that? The right way is you, you develop what's called a plan, a, a mode of transportation, MOT, and you, you get a whole plan set together and then you close off part of the highway and you hire police, you hire these cement barriers protect drivers and you slowly move across the highway and yes it's slow and yes it's expensive but it's how you protect people and i had a case where this company was trying to save money and they tried to sneak their crane across in the middle of the night and the hook that hung from the crane hit my driver as he drove 65 miles an hour down a highway didn't see it in the middle of the night the crane went through the car hit him in the head and killed him instantly and this was a guy that was a veteran that served uh in the Israeli Defense Force, you know, for two years, survived battles, came to America for the American dream, and, you know, at 24, they killed him. 
and then lied about it, tried to pretend he went off the road. There was a whole baloney defense they tried to create. We had to hire private investigators to show there was no actual plan of operation to move across. It was very expensive and timely, and we were able to get a very good settlement for the family, but how terrible is that? I mean, that's literally a life taken away just to save a couple of bucks. Just so scary. It's so scary. But at least you're battling the good fight. So we'll put a link to justice. It's how justice is served. And we'll put a link to that in the show notes. We'll put a link to the Amazon book. We'll put a link to the website. And Jen, I mean, be, you have a podcast. We'll put a link to that as well. Do you spend any other time on social media? Is there someplace other people can follow you? Um, my firm has an Instagram page. So, you know, but it's all on our website, KK tplaw.com um so we have a pretty comprehensive website where we put up all of our media and the cases we've done and our immigration departments had these record cases as well where we fight the government because my partners and i believe deep to our core that america should be better than this right companies should be held accountable just because they're rich and powerful and they're able to afford to lobby legislatures to pass rules for them it's not okay and the only people that could tell me it's not okay is a jury, you know, people in the neighborhood. And so we access people in the neighborhood when we can to, to make these rules. And, and I try cases all over the country, as I said, and people ask me, well, people in Miami are different than people in Arizona or people in North Dakota just won a big case in North Dakota, where again, they failed to diagnose kidney disease and took this wonderful truck driver that drove oil across Montana and North Dakota to get oil for people's cars and they didn't diagnose his kidney disease and he's literally dying, literally dying. And the insurance company's fighting like crazy and we had to go to trial in North Dakota in April where it still snowed 12 feet one day, which is unbelievable as a Miami kid. No, that much snow in April, um, totally unprepared for that. But we went to North Dakota and, and how do I know people feel that way? I talk about it in my book. Uh, one of the things I do when I take a case in a new jurisdiction is I I go to the, the bar around, you know, a, a Chili's or a Friday's or whatever's in the neighborhood. And I offer to buy drinks and say, hey, I have a story to tell you. Tell me what you think about this. I don't, I don't care what you tell me or how you feel. Just be honest with me. Tell me what you think. And I'll buy a couple rounds of drink and I get an idea of how those neighbors think of things. That's a great, a great methodology, and it's important, right? It's it's important, and and you're spreading the word, but also you're you're doing great research, and I I think people also forget that it's juries and people behind this. It's, it's not just court system. People first. It should never be profits first. It should always be people first. You know why doctors see fifty people a day? Profits first. You know how many people they can really diagnose and treat a day? Eight. 10, that's people first. The last time you went to a doctor and the whole day, 10 people came in that place the whole day. They spent half an hour with you, talking to you, explaining to you what they find, asking you questions. Why does, it, why does that not happen anymore? It's the only way to really diagnose people. Why don't doctors do that anymore? They should, don't you think? Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, and we've seen it in our family, these same problems. And, yeah. you know, and, and these, these happen to everyone. Everyone. Everyone, but people are so upset and feel that they're so powerless against it because that's what this current last 20 years 
I mean, I don't want to get too political, but I mean, that is what the Republican agenda is, what's called tort reform. Tort reform is taking away access to courts and juries, and they call it tort reform. So Google tort reform, see what it is and who's behind it. And you'll see these are really disgusting people trying to maximize corporate profits off the backs of people. It's just not okay. You know, and this whole idea where there's too many lawsuits. No, there's not. There's more lawsuits than there used to be. Yeah, because there's like three times as many people in the country. Of course, three times more lawsuits. But the number of lawsuits per person hasn't really gone up in 80 years. Has not. There's just more people. Of course, there's more lawsuits. Courts are overworked. Yeah, because you have the same number of judges now that you did in 1942. And there's 10 times more people. Have more courtrooms, build more courthouses, get more judges. They won't be so overwhelmed. But that doesn't you know, look good for these people. They want tort reform. Take away all access to courts, all access to juries. Put in these horrible arbitration clauses where business people decide if you really have a claim or if the business should be protected. And who do you think business people want to protect more? An injured immigrant or the business? It's horrible. But I'm glad you're fighting. I'm glad you're doing it. There's some great attorneys out there doing it. I really you appreciate are. you being on True Law Stories and telling these stories. We'll have to have you back. Anytime. Tell, tell more of these stories. But I, I really appreciate it, Jed. We'll put a link to the firm and everything in the show notes. Uh, but thank you so much for being on True Law Stories. It's my pleasure. You're very welcome. Have me back because you never got my best mediation story. I need to get, I'm going to have you back for the best mediation story. Cliffhanger. <laughs> Cliffhangers. We get more people. Make sure to subscribe so you can see Jed's story. Uh, <laughs> but thank you all for taking Jed and I your journey. This has been Iron Garlic and True Law Stories. Make sure to subscribe if you're listening to the podcast. Make sure to check it out on YouTube. See Jed's really cool blue jacket. All right. <laughs> we'll see you soon. Ian, thank you. Have a great day. Thanks, Jed. True Law Stories has been brought to you by VideoCaseStory.com. Testimonials stink. No one wants to watch a testimonial or read a case study. You need video case stories for your business. Go to videocasestory.com to learn more.